Hello and welcome back to Barcelona for the last of our daily updates. It's day four of Mobile World Congress. We're back in 361 Towers, recapping uh, the week's and the day's news. And my name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And I'm Rafe Blanford from the Audubout Sites. In a rocking chair. I am in a rocking chair. It's a very nice rocking chair. The, 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 the luxury mansion apartments that we have secured for the duration of the event uh, provides a range of furniture and Rafe is literally rocking a chair. Very impressive. Good skills, Blanford. Okay, uh, day four. Uh, for me, that was about mopping up all the things I hadn't seen previously in the show. So uh, what about you guys? Uh, Rafe, what did you see today? Well, what didn't I see? Because um, like you, I was pounding the show floor. Really? I, I did spend, well... With annoyance. Well, actually, I have got conference, <laughs> conference feet now, um, right, which yeah. feel like they're still walking around Hall 7. Right. Uh, I started my day at the Nokia stand because I had a few things to catch up on for actual work and things I'll be writing up later. But I'm not going to talk too much about that because I'll get tussed at by the gentleman sitting Tut, off. tut, 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 tut. It, it was only 50 square feet. I, never, I didn't manage to... How you were spend like nine or ten hours in the show there. But. Well, for example, mm. I said I'm not going to talk about it, but did now you I'm going to How many it. hours did you spend on the Nokia stand across the four days? Now, I think what Rafe realised is that whilst he'd written up all the screens, the specs, the speeds, the battery lives and the colours, he hadn't sniffed all of the handsets to see what they smelled like. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is I true. had to go back and do a sniff test. It was, yeah. it was actually more software demos this time around so for example i went to see a gopro app which is the camera that you wear when you're snowboarding diving whatever you know the sort of and you are always off snowboarding diving aren't you is, is yes it you, you know me jumping out of planes doing really stupid things like this and they've come up with a an app that's going to be exclusive to the lumia devices oh and one of the things it does is it allows you to take pictures with your phone and then link it to video coming from the camera and it will come over Wi-Fi. You can then edit them together. So effectively, you have you know, two camera views simultaneously. It's mm. all done, the editing on the phone. You can get the videos off. So there were several you know, partner demos like that. Um, Very nice. You know, actually, I thought they did a good job there. They've also been updating some of their camera lens apps. And it's an interesting trend, this, because we often talk about you know cameras and camera user interfaces yeah uh, but most people just whack out a camera and use it in fully automatic mode right but i quite like creative use of smartphone cameras and i think we're going to talk about this a bit later for something else that uh, ben and ewan went to see um their cinemagraph technology is basically turning three seconds into an animated gif they've added some extra controls that so you can control the loop it allows you to be quite uh, creative but also it was an app called Glammy, which is shipping on their 720 device, which has a, a special front-facing camera. Actually, all it means is it's got a BSI sensor. It's slightly wider angle, a slightly better camera in it. But it's the first time I've used an app that I think is specifically meant to be used with the front-facing camera. And what it does is it sort of softens the tone to get rid of wrinkles. It can make your eyes look bigger, whiten your teeth. Oh, this is the one that you had earrings in. Uh, it, it doesn't do that, but that's the sort of, right. that's the sort of thing. And it's interesting because, you know... People, they were just his own earrings. Right. Pe- pe- yeah, yeah. People do these self-portraits with the front camera, and, it, you know, it's not something that goes on much in Europe, but apparently really big in Asia, and actually this handset is shipping first out there, and that's kind of part of the motivation for this. I just thought it was interesting to see iteration, you know, an app using the camera. They're not new, mm. um, but I do like the way Windows Phone integrates that lens up. So it's in the camera, you can get it very quickly, but it doesn't clutter up the UI of the camera itself. So you haven't got annoying filters all over the place. You go into a specific place to do that. Did you see anything not Nokia? I did, I did. Um, uh, 
Are you feeling I, okay? I've, I've even got some sort of bits of paper here to get my memory, simply because um, after four days, your brain starts to run one demo into the other. And I want to talk about Fujitsu, and I know there's actually mm. several things on that stand, so I'm just going to uh, pick out two things and then maybe hand back to you and, and talk about some more things later. But um, it was both products were aimed at kind of the more mature market, the grey market, the senior market, whatever you want to call it. And I thought, you know, old given people. I got old people sitting opposite me, it would be quite useful to review these products for them. Plus 30, Blanford's exactly. under, under 30. Is he? No, he's not. Yeah, he certainly. used to be, he used to be, oh. yeah. And, and one was the uh, pre-touch panel, and this was the idea of a tablet for older people. And it's actually come from a concept that Fujitsu pioneered with something called their Raku Raku smartphone. And actually, that's simple. Say that fast. Well, quite. Racker, 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 racker. Racker. And they sort of reskinned Android and put very big buttons on it, but they'd also added a bit of tactile feedback, which you typically don't get in tablets. Mm. The idea that your phone buzzes, and actually it was buzzing under the right bit of the screen. Good. So it imitated pressing a hardware button, and there was also a cha- very obvious change on the screen, like you were pressing a button down. Mm. I thought that was a clever idea because I think it makes tablets easier to use. And they similarly had something called the Simplistico One, which was another smartphone, reskinned Android, kind of this racker, racker, simple phone. Again, you know, just big areas, big target areas on a touchscreen to, to touch. And they weren't the only one doing that because Emporia, the company that's well known for doing the phones for the senior market, also launched a touchscreen one for the first time. That kind of struck me as interesting that touch phones have now got to the point where they're thought to be suitable for the senior market, whereas before, because of the obvious implications of having to use your fingers they, they've gone away and it's mainly about big big target areas and personally I think that's a little bit simplistic but interesting to see the uh, industry going that way and Doro although I didn't get to the stand today Doro were here as well showing a, an Android device so yeah the, the market's definitely picked up in that respect um, on the Fujitsu stand there were a lot of interesting demos and just to mention one thing about this this simplistic phone, and it, actually it's, it's something that's going to launch in Europe as well as Japan, and usually um, Fujitsu have been concentrating on the Asian market. It had the, the idea of these alarms for older people that we've seen a lot of in the past with the kind of the machine-to-machine idea. This was built into the phone, and it was on the back of the phone. There was just a tab you pulled out and a nice big obvious button. When you did that, a normal alarm sounded, and it would then call on the phone... A specified number, so you know your son, your caregiver, whoever it happened to be. If you didn't weren't able to communicate, that wouldn't matter because it also sent a text message with your current location, a link to Google Maps. And we've seen, I've seen a lot of these kind of alert systems, and they've always struck me as being a nice idea, but not terribly well implemented. This looked like it would really work. There we go. Yeah, I was really impressed with the uh, Fujitsu stands. There was um, there was those simplistic handsets there. I, again, I, I sort of agree with you in terms of the um, in terms of the interface, but I think it's getting to the point now where you're beginning to see something that just needs refining rather than a concept which needs to be created. There was a lot of you know sort of very dodgy sort of uh, poor attempt at it before, and, and all the vendors worth talking about are also now understanding that it's not just about making things bigger it's actually about designing the service with the needs of those users in mind the other thing i liked about the fujitsu stand was that all of the all of the tablets and all of the uh, devices they were showing were waterproof as well they you know yes it's something they they always do on all their phones it seems to be a trend out of japan yeah and I, i was kind of a bit surprised and i thought well maybe it was some sort of very clever um you know, sort of spray or, or any of that kind of stuff, but it, it, it is literally just they've bummed up the seals with rubber and things, and um, 
you know they they allow a little bit of water ingress into some parts of the phone where the components can be waterproofed um and it i mean i was almost embarrassed how simple it was but you know when the, when the uh, demo lady was showing me but it, it really works and she was making phone calls you know with it within a glass of water so i thought that was nice um <laughs> there was some well i mean having just walked through the rain to get back to the apartment that certainly struck me as you know a handy saw, yeah, yeah. Um, they they uh, they also they're, they're shipping um, they're shipping that um, simplistic handset on Orange in France and aiming um, actually aiming for for some other markets in Europe as well. So it'd be interesting to see if it does come to the UK. Um, they had some M Health stuff, but we'll cover that in a in a separate podcast. But that was actually didn't think I'd be uh, as impressed with Fujitsu, but but really really was uh, actually um, including they had some nice. Uh, I'd say half their stand was given over to demoing, emerging, or or technology in their labs, and it may be sort of quite excited about what what will come in the future that they were, that they were getting on with. That really was um, that really was quite good. Um, Rafe's waving the screen at me. I'm just saying it wasn't as simplistic as we've been insulting all the uh, grey markets. It's I was actually, wondering about that. It's actually, and I think they were doing much less of that this time around, which has always been my problem with these grey markets. Before, for example, exactly. Yeah. They're actually calling it the stylistic. Stylistic. Oh, there we go. There you go. Um, so, you, what did you see? Uh, I didn't. So today, I decided to take a tour around the halls, looking at it from a different standpoint. I do a lot of work in events and exhibitions. and you, You're often doing the burgers and the juices, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, thanks very much, man. Um, so I do a lot of work in, in that, that industry from a consulting standpoint. So what I was doing was looking at what the GSMA had put together with the, the guys at FIRA Barcelona. Um, and just, uh, I was seriously impressed. It's a, such a massive, massive event, 75,000 people. And when uh, on days one through three, when you come in, you you don't realise how smart and how well planned out the event is, uh, because you're just walking in and you're you're preoccupied with getting to the stand or getting to an event. Um, that I think I just want to say kudos to the GSMA and to the, the FIRA guys because I didn't see any cues on registration beyond you know a few, a few minutes or something. Um, other events struggle dramatically. This is not easy. It's incredibly difficult to make it work. But it's like um, a smart plumber. If you do it right, no one notices. No one cares. You know. And it, it kind of struck me at this event, the stuff they could control was all pretty seamless. The stuff that was beyond their control, like the number of restaurants, for example, which is really yes. fixed by the venue. Yeah, yes. You know, there were queues there. Right. And there were queues for the transport leaving, yes. in particular in the evenings. But even that was relatively well handled. They've just come out with a press release and saying most people ever at MWC, it's up 8% from last year, 72,000 yeah. people. Yeah, 72,000 people. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's a lot of visitors. Yes, yeah. it's simply massive. That I thought was very good. And then I was just looking at how the halls were laid out, how the stands were laid out, and, and how, how they've delivered the logistics of this show. And whatever your impression of... Uh, uh, the GSMA or actually more about Mobile World Congress because I think it's been very easy in the past to just go oh god you know it's just it, uh, uh, there has been a certain amount of MWC malaise I think setting in I do wonder if they have rebooted the franchise as the phrase goes if they've done a JJ Abrams on the, uh, uh, the on the, the logistics side I, I think they have because it's certainly been 
it feels like a more cohesive show. I mean, I always liked being able to go outside, but it had outgrown that venue. Yes. Um, and while all the media has been talking about not many announcements, I'd be willing to bet that the majority of the industry attendees were going, it was great for you know, having all our media yes. doing the deals out on the screen. And that's a big part of MWC. Yeah. And I went to, yeah, I started the day in Hall 2, which, which is, you know, sort of ironically closest to, to, to the entrance. And uh, I thought, oh, I've really neglected this whole mm. zone. I must go and check it out. And... It, there's nothing. There was nothing in it. I mean, not there was nothing. Not that there wasn't anything. In it. It's all where all the meeting suites are. Mm. And okay, I wasn't going for meetings, so it wasn't much fun. But the what was amazing was the size of what's going on here. So you realise that if the man from Sony has booked out hundreds of square feet of meeting space, he's not done it just for drinks with his friends. Yeah, he's, he's not doing it for the fun of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. He's having serious volumes of meetings, and um, you know, I met a number of vendors who referred to. This, uh, for example, hardware vendors, especially some of the small ones, uh, refer to this being the place where they meet the operators and they try and sort of you know introduce their devices. And this is where business gets done. And it's kind of for for us as as attendees who aren't in the business but sort of observing it, uh, you, it, t- it tends to get missed. Sometimes. Well, we're always looking at the front end of it. Yeah. Right? We're looking yeah. at the the experiential end. And uh, you know, I think it's it's fine for us to make comments like, "Oh, that was a rubbish stand," or "That's not," or I mean, I remember in a previous podcast, I was railing against Google or Motorola for having such a poor, or in terms of our perspective, poor stand. But actually, you know, the whole point about Mobile World Congress for a lot of the industry is this is meeting territory. This is where yeah. all the meetings happen. You ask anyone in the industry and they say, of course we can meet people elsewhere, but this is the only place where we can meet everybody at the same time in right. a short space and of time. It's, it's an exhibition thing. It's just because this date, it's just in everyone's diary. Yes, so that and, makes it and convenient. Also, and it was noticeable also, even on the you know, the main halls, most of the big stands had a, a top floor where meeting rooms were and were taking place. Felt like more than in previous years. Yeah. And you know, looking at what happened in previous years at MWC, there were a lot of off-site uh, hotels where people would take meetings, and that was yeah. a bit of a nightmare getting back and forth between. And that was done not just for the media, but particularly for people in the industry. So I suspect you could arrive and have your meet a lot of your meetings at the venue rather than having to pop out and that would be a real bonus and tell us what you heard about the Huawei meeting rooms oh gosh I don't know how public that is um, okay all right. well, well, all right. don't, don't, give, don't give away any secrets but suffice it to say Huawei have put as much money and effort into building their meeting rooms as they had their, their stand yes yeah? yeah I basically one of those it was one of those stories that you think what really I mean seriously Oh my gosh, they have a crazy amount of money. It was a silly thing. I won't say it here because I don't know how public that information is. Okay. Uh, but I think we do need to look at what while we were doing. Was it Hall 1? Half yeah. of it? Half of it? Yeah. Was theirs? Yeah. And previously, uh, in, um, in uh, the old venue, while we used to have their own hall, effectively, they just built one. Uh, for them I think that is just yet another statement this is what events and exhibitions are being used for nowadays it's not really for people to come and see and look at the handsets that's one thing it's really also a huge industry statement so if you are a big operator doing a deal uh, or considering doing a deal with Huawei you you might have a question about how big are they how scalable are they how much money have they got well it's proof proof is right they're they're, they're, they're basically paid a load of money to GSMA to have this massive, massive, massive presence. 
I think that say, says a lot about where the market's going. Talking of massive presences, um, I'd missed going to the Sony stand because they weren't in amongst all the other mm. uh, big kind of hardware manufacturers uh, in, in, the, in the main, well, I say the main hall, but in Hall 3, which kind of felt like the centre of, of things. Um, so I, I went up to uh, Hall 6, went onto their stand, which was pretty sizable, but also they had a, a big meeting suite as well and mm. a number of kind of breakout stands um, along, along some of the aisles right. as well. Um, and... Um, they had some a really a really nicely clean laid out set. I mean, they were they were really majoring on the on the three devices that they've got at the moment. I think they've got the the T, which is the the NFC. That's the one they gave away. Yeah, yeah. They've got the Z, which is that new smartphone. Which Do you like the look of that? Very nice. Mm-hmm. I had a play with that, and and I was saying to Rafe earlier. I think the HTC and Sony could be a bit of a salvation for Android in the hardware quality. It has actually been really depressing without them playing at the full strength, hasn't it? Well, because the, to date they've been producing some pretty mediocre yeah. rubbish, but the these the Z and the HTC One feel like really nicely made. Yeah. I mean, even though I don't think that Rafe, you you almost certainly know this, but I don't think the Z is is all metal, is it? It's it's a, it's a it's mix. Waterproof, though, right? it, it, it's a mix, but it is waterproof, and it's it's little things like the detailing on the power button. Yeah. That's you know, it's precision mm-hmm. milled. It's yeah. something that's you know used quite a bit. Yeah. It feels like a premium handset, and the uh, the Z tablet, the Xperia yeah. Z tablet, mm. which they announced here. It, it wasn't heavy. It was just the right weight, but it felt very solid. And so, you know, there's there's various tablets that have been announced here. And of the ones I've seen, that would be my sort of pick of the tablets at this show. I think it's got to the point now where we used to criticise all the manufacturers for sort of copying Apple because they made a tablet. But now you just have to accept that you know, tablets are ubiquitous as smartphones. Mm. All of the all of the hardware manufacturers are going to have all of the sizes. So now you can start doing side by sides on the quality. Yeah. Uh, and Sony's stuff really stood out well. It was really nicely presented, and all their stand had um, sort of different, the same hardware over and over again, but with different. Uh, sort of stories so there was one about using an FC to start music there was one about sharing content to a TV screen mm. there was one um, there was uh, one about uh, video and, and view and playback there was one about gaming uh, it, it was really nice the, th- the thing that struck me though actually because I spent a bit of time playing the Sony stand was a bit quieter now on the last day than the HTC mm. stand had been I had a bit of a play with it and I thought oh Maybe Android isn't as ugly and broken as I thought it was because it looks beautiful and the UI is amazing. And then you fire up a third-party app, which mm-hmm. isn't from you know, the, the manufacturer as part of that standard set, and you're just dumped back into Uglyville. Yeah. And, it is. And, and the same actually applies to the HTC One because I think HTC yeah. have done a really good job on mm. Center 5. In particular. This time around, it feels like there's very little difference between it and actually native Android because they've used a similar design language while still keeping it unique. Um, but there is this dichotomy with Android that, you know, customization isn't always a good thing for the user experience. And it, it does contrast, obviously, with what Microsoft have done with Windows Phone where they really, really locked it down. They won't let manufacturers do anything. And both approach have their, have, has their benefits. But if you're creating a device for everyone, I think Android still has this issue about consistency especially when you're then comparing one device with another as well. Mm-hmm. And you see some really ugly sin skins. I mean, Huawei announced their Emotion UI. Really it, only, it, only caused one, it only caused one emotion. It did, it did, and it made me sad. Yeah, uh, it, that, it, it's, it's true. And it, it also, I think the, the issue is that Android needs customization to be beautiful. I mean, I, I, I respect the Nexus devices, but they are, the, the interfaces are never as beautiful as 
the HTC One, as Sony's is. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, and I'm not pushing the, the iPhone here particularly because I think that's looking pretty dated as well. Yeah. But you know, the point is, you get out of you get out of the best in class bit that the manufacturers have done, and there are some amazing apps out there. But even if it's the best app in the world, it's not consistent with the rest yeah. of the view. And it's, it was crying shame to have a, a 500 pound beautifully engineered smartphone running software that makes you want to poke your eyes out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but the, the Sony stand was was really impressive. I, I, I liked that. I popped past the Alcatel stand, the, the TCL one, as, as Rafe reminded me yesterday, um, and saw some of their handsets. But they were also pushing um, uh, some MiFi's and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting to get caught up on them because we don't really hear much from them at the moment. Yeah, I, I think they actually deserve a bit of credit as the one Chinese manufacturer that came here with probably the worst reputation out of the sort of TCL, ZTE and Huawei as being the cheapest and the nastiest. And actually they've come up with some quite attractive looking handsets, a bit of colour. You know, they're not high-end stuff. They've done some mainly in the mid-tier. They've done the kind of a Firefox handset. We might mm. talk about Firefox later. But yeah. actually, you know, all, all credit to them. They, they produced a range of, of phones. And so of the Chinese manufacturers, I'm rather surprised to say that Alcatel, OneTouch or TCL actually did the best job here at MWC. Yes, it was noticeable that there were lots of uh, French people are manning the stands. Now, I don't know whether that's because TCO are, are using the Alcatel brand are trying to maintain the, the kind of the illusion that they're French uh, just using the brand or whether they generally have carried people across through some yeah. of the transition. But of, of, of the stands, not, to, not that European is preferential to Chinese, but it was the most accessible to me in terms of the style and the design and those sorts of things because some of the, the ZTE and the Huawei stands were a bit oppressive with aspirational language and, and sort of... Uh, Make it possible. Yes, indeed, it increased your understanding. Um, so, uh, yeah, th- that was that was interesting. Um, we wander, also wandered around and saw the Yottaphone. Now, Rafe, what is the explain to the listeners the Yottaphone? Because I just basically still thought, ah, it's a ki- it's a Kindle glued to a phone. And it is sort of in terms of technology. You've got an Android phone on the front with a normal screen, and then you've got an e-ink display on the back, and they sort of promote this as being a second screen you can do interesting things with. I mean, the device in the hallway isn't anything special, but I think it's worth talking a little bit about the concept. And some of the things they talked about was using it as a way to kind of customise your phone, almost design your own back cover, or you could display messages on it when you're taking your camera, telling everyone to smile or telling a joke to try and elicit a response. So an interesting idea. I think what's most interesting about it is because it's e-ink, it's always on, and so it's a, a screen that... When you look at it, it can have permanence, and so you can put interesting things on it about maybe your agenda coming up for the day or a particular photo that you're fond of. And so I actually think, you know, not practical yet, but it does kind of introduce me to the thought that having some kind of way of you know changing what's displayed on the back of your phone through a nano surface, so they're not necessarily saying e-ink, mm. does have some promise. Yeah, and, and I, I went in and, and met the chief exec and got a bit of a demo and similarly thinking thinking of thinking of it as a screen that you interact with all the time although they proposed that and you could use it as an e-reader or you could you could they had some apps which sort of updated it wasn't really until he explained that kind of it was good i think it was the term passive awareness that you could sort of keep tabs on your status and your update and your facebook feed i mean i'm not sure i want my facebook feed permanently displayed mm. on the back of my phone mm. but I wouldn't mind the notifications or some kind of view that kind of told me you know 
where what was going on and the sort of thing that actually tends in the to, background yeah the sort of thing that tends to crowd up your notifications area yeah. on the on the front screen of the smart turn it over and yeah right nice. nice. and there were some interesting ideas around i mean this kind of idea of having things on your standby screen isn't new um you know some manufacturers have done it with the amoled displays where you can turn on just a few pixels at a yeah, time to yeah. have notifications or, like, or a clock showing this is actually a you're able to do richer things and one of the ones that quite caught my attention having been here in Barcelona and navigating around with the phone they can actually freeze a map on the back display and or even have it updating periodically with your position but thinking about the way you tend to use that in a city that's quite a useful thing to do because rather than having your screen on all the time and that does drain the battery a little bit and frankly you don't need it and actually something you can see easily in multiple different light conditions as you're going down a dark street yeah, there's definitely potential there. There was a bunch of apps that sort of fed live data to it, but then also he, he sort of showed a gesture. He sort of swiped two fingers down it, and it appeared to take a screenshot and put it on there, basically. So yeah. you didn't even That's need... smart. You don't need the apps no, to... Like that. You don't need the apps to support the, the back. You can just take the screenshot, as Rafe says, of the map or the app or whatever data or, or picture. Notes or something, yeah, anything yeah, that you're anything. trying to remember, yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah, that was really good. Uh, what else do you see, Rafe? Well, one of the things that caught my attention was actually from a company called uh, GT Technologies and I saw this and thought of Ben because basically they, they had a, a a big poster up on their stand. Why did you think of Ben? Well I thought of Ben because he thought advanced technologies. Well actually no it's the, it's the world needs a, a tougher screen I'm showing Ben the picture here and it's a picture <laughs> of a shattered iPhone because those that don't know because obviously they're listening to this Ben's actually got broken glass on his iPhone at the twice. moment I've dropped, it, I've dropped it twice since I've arrived in Barcelona I've gone for years without smashing iPhones I've dropped it twice the thing is a wreck now again and, and it's seriously annoying him oh it's pissing me off yeah. and th- this company GT Advanced Technology was actually talking about a new material that you could use and it's actually one that's already in use it's uh, sapphire and these are actually these are actually it's made in a, in a furnace and actually for those that don't know it's the glass or rather the material it's not glass it's sapphire that's used to protect the uh, iPhone camera that's the thing that fits over the iPhone but they yeah. were saying you're being able to start using it to cover touchscreen soon because the cost is coming down for various production reasons and as various technologies going on and you know that was all kind of interesting it's a few years off um, but just to give you an idea about how much tougher it is I've actually picked up one of their bits of information so I'm obviously dependent on them for the uh, veracity of this but they talked about the noop hardness um, scale which I thought was a nice name anyway I, I don't know the details of that I think it's measured in gigapascals <laughs> and uh, sapphire is Bam. coming in at about 19 on this scale and that's compared to gorilla glass which is kind of the toughest thing yeah. you have at the moment and you have that on most of the high-end smartphones and that comes in at six so it's three times tougher so kind of one to watch out for sapphire being used to cover the whole of the touchscreen, not just a, a little bit i mean at the moment it's mainly used in military applications for example as an alternative to bulletproof glass because it can be about a third of the thickness so it's going into humvees for example it's used wow. in a lot of optics uh, used in satellite using the cones of missiles and things like that it's one of these uh, material developments that I think will have quite an interesting impact on the smartphone industry people won't ever really notice it or think about it but certainly one to watch out for mm. the, in terms of um, in, in terms of that I think the it, it feels like the right answer I was saying to Rafe earlier that I really don't like these technologies that feel like they're kind of bodge fixing a, a problem and that's you know a lot of the case there's a lot of people here sort of uh, accessories manufacturers and cases and all these sorts of things and I don't object to cases and accessories as 
uh, decoration mm. or, or for your comfort if you're putting a, the phone in your pocket or something like that. But I think when you need to buy something that's fragile and then immediately wrap it up in a sort of a lump of rubber to, to make it, you know... Sort of fragile but looks good. Well, it, but it doesn't. Then, then you put it. Then you well. Then you have to. Uh, no, I mean the, the handset. Yeah, doesn't. but it doesn't. Look good. It looks good before you put the bumper yeah, on it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And and I I sort of feel that the, the accessories should be decorations, not protective. But that then requires the phones to be robust enough for for the world that they're being built for. Because I think mm. you know one of the things I've realised is that um, whilst I've well yeah whilst I've dropped dropped my iPhone and you know that that's that's my fault for dropping it. Um, you know, two or three of those have been kind of pretty minor bumps, and, mm. and they've caused they've caused damage. And I, I remember back to the video you made when you went down to the Nokia testing labs. Yeah. That the bar for damaging those what well, the bar that they set for damaging those phones was was higher, I think, than you know, kind of uh, most people would reach on a normal basis. So yeah, uh, really and, impressed with that. Yeah, and it is. I mean, Nokia and HTC are actually both the good guys in this department. Uh, they build their phones to really last. And actually, BlackBerry, in their latest set, have also done the same thing. They've set the tolerances on these tests a little bit higher. Yeah. And it's noticeable that all our favourite phones, in terms of the ones we've talked about on the show, do tend to be the ones that are better put together and you don't need to necessarily put a case on. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it spoils the nice design. I mean, I'm sure the designers scream when they see cases being put on devices. Oh, I imagine so, yeah. There's one more demo I want to talk about. It's something Ben's already mentioned. It's the connected city. And I went around and had a look around today, and there were a couple of things that caught my eye, um, because often this this thing is talked about as you know future, um, and it's the machine to machine stuff and its health happening and all sort of things. But there was was one thing that caught my eye in particular. It was AT and T are now shipping a smart plug in the states, and if you've got an AT and T contract, you can get one of these very easily. And all it does is basically there's an app, or you can do it by text message as well. You can switch a plug on and off at the wall. And this is a very easy way to start doing home automation. Now, you could do this for you know, a cooker, for you know, immersion, for something like that. The, the one they were actually showing it for was Rover's Dog Bowl. And they had a, one of these automatic feed dispensers. And if you're not going to be home in time or you're away on a trip, you could you know, phone up and switch it on and the rover would get his food. It just struck me, and of course there's plenty of other things you could plug it into, but it's available now, and it's an example of this sort of connected home yes. that actually felt to me like a solution that did something useful rather than being, you know, a bit wishy-washy. And there was, you know, a lot of other things in that area. You know, For example, they had um, a, a biker, I'm just trying to think of the word, a metric, uh, scooter, yeah. which was a bit like the Zipcar scheme, and you'd unlock it using NFC because obviously you can't have access to the keys very easily because it's a rented yep. piece of equipment. And rather than having some clutch where you have to go and get the keys from somewhere, something you could use on your phone. And you know, it's not replacing keys; it's actually a far more convenient way of doing it. And again, it sort of comes back to yeah, where NFC could yep. be uh, useful. Ewan's just showing me the uh, home plug, and actually, it is also available. It looks like in a, a UK version this, from this, Belkin. This is actually a Bel- yeah, Belkin. I'm not, not sure if it's the same technology. Do. Very you, similar. You, you can buy this uh, now in the UK. Yeah, it's the Wemo standard, yeah. I haven't bought it yet, but I'm about to, because uh, basically it's just a little thing that sits in front of the plug socket. It's pass-through technology, so you, still, you can still use yeah. a plug, and you, can, you just control them 
So it's, exact, it's, it's similar. I think the, the, the interesting thing, though, and the reason I think I prefer the solution Rafe was talking about is that Wemo, if, if I've understood it correctly, although it's great, works on a kind of a proprietary wireless protocol. And so the, the, the interface to the phone is over Wi-Fi, which then gets adapt, mm. turned into uh, you know, an IP signal, whereas this is a genuinely connected, nice. like natively connected device, uh, which was really cool. Um, I'm just trying to think what else we did. We we, we went back to see uh, both the Ubuntu and the Firefox stands. Um, Ubuntu were demoing the Ubuntu running on the tablets. Um, I hadn't realised that the Ubuntu uh, build for tablet is out. So if you've got a Nexus um, tablet, so Norton. yeah, you can you can deploy that. And I think I'm going to give that a try when I get back home uh, and just sacrifice Android on my on my uh, on my Nexus and give it give it a try. And we also got hands on with Firefox. Um, an interesting example, although I, f- I found, strange, oddly, I found it far less compelling than I expected to, given all the excitement around it. Um, we, we, it, it was notable that the Firefox stand, even the last half hour of day four, rammed. was absolutely rammed. And every time I've been anywhere near it, it's been like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's been hard to get a, a demo. And I think the, the thing people probably need to understand about Firefox is, um, at the moment, it's aimed at feature phones, and that's where the operators are getting excited. But I think it's quite obvious that the Mozilla Foundation has ambitions to get it running on higher-end devices as well. And it's a kind of the idea of a web-based platform, or rather web technologies. Um, and it's sort of, you know, you search, and it will go out and get apps. You can have various different types of apps. You can sort of have fully online apps, then ones that are sort of hybrid, and then ones that are fully offline. But it, it strikes me as a bit of a problem in the mid-tier, because this heavily dependent online that's going to be an issue as soon as you start having a poor signal and it's not just you know no signal i reckon that wouldn't work very well on a 2g signal yeah well and and also um they've got this they've got this problem because i think they've created firefox with the dream of it being a kind of a, a, a an ecosystem like android which can go from the low end to the high end but they're going to need to play to their strengths, which is the operator's desire to put it into the mid-tier and particularly into the emerging markets in South America and things like that. And the trouble is that because they haven't specifically targeted that mid-tier, it looks to me like, as Ray said, some of those design decisions about being very heavily online dependent um, you know, make makes makes you makes you wonder actually whether they've really got the right. You know, they've got the wrong operating system in the in the wrong in the wrong place. Uh, I would have been more impressed if they'd if they'd been sort of demoing ways to deal with you know sort of reducing data usage for people who are budget constrained and can't access subscriptions and these sorts of things. And I have to say, you know, the hardware is not the be all and end all, but they were demoing it exclusively on ZTE units, which were very, very low rent. I mean, it yeah. puts me in mind of some of the nastier um, Android devices we saw from a few a few years back. And, you know, with apologies to the guys from Inc., they put out some very cheap Android devices just before they pivoted out of making hardware. And it, it, was, it was like that, but without some of the charm, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and when you've got some sort of smartphones and feature phones that are pretty attractive in that same price segment, it starts to get a bit interesting. What, what I should say, though, is they do have very strong support, and it wasn't just on the stand. You know, they've got a device from Alcatel, Lucent, uh, Huawei have announced they're yep. going to do one, and it looks like Sony's going to do one as well. They're certainly making very supportive noises. They've got 17 operators all saying this is a great idea. Now, operators tend to get behind things at the drop of their hat. But even so... Operators, for, operators are very keen for other people to spend their money in the off chance right. that it might, it might help them. But, but yeah. of all the sort of big ecosystem launches, there's something that's basically a small player, not backed by someone big currently in mobile. 
yeah, there's a, a certain amount of momentum behind it that means it's going to get its chance to have a go. It's it's hard to sort of see it get really lasting. I mean, the market's going to move so quickly, and it's you know things are going to come back down against it. But nonetheless, I was quite surprised by the level of interest. I guess it's you know, the real benefit of Mozilla and the Firefox brand being so big. It's kind of given it a certain amount of credibility. Uh, very very quickly, uh, the other thing I noticed on their final day, trogging around where Firefox was, tons and tons of people making app builders. Building apps is no longer a technical thing. It's a thing you do with a with a GUI. With a web browser. With, well, with a web browser at all. So yeah. I'm not going to major on it because I think we'll cover it in a future episode. But you know, apps are very much in the domain of anyone who fancies to giving it a go now. And those tools are maturing to the point where they're capable. You and Lerf, closing thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to mention the Smart UK Awards. That's a UK... Uh, trade and investment arm. They uh, they did the well. We did the judging. I was on the judging panel for that oh, earlier in the you. week. He's got a desk. You're a judge. There we go. Um, and that was uh, really stimulating. The the, the companies that uh, made the shortlist for the award were Made in Mind. I love them. They do the folding plug. The folding plug. I've Have a look one. at that. Have you got? I've got one in my bag. Right Have you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I'm going to go and buy it. one of the chats. Said, "Oh, would you like us to give you one?" I said, "No, no. I'm going to support. You. I'm going to buy one." Yeah. And, so, and the packaging is really nice as well. I mean, I know it doesn't matter about the packaging, but yeah, it, 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 everything it's about it is really, really smart. Do have a look at made just madeinmind.co.uk or search for it the Moo. Yeah. Um, That's the name of the plug. Yeah. And then uh, Open Signal. Very interesting. Have you got Open Signal on your phone? I'm going to after you demoed it. Too. Yeah, really, really smart. That basically, if you download Open Signal anywhere on the planet, uh, it doesn't matter where you are, it will have a look at your uh, your cellular connection and send that data anonymously into their database, but also tell you uh, where the cell masks are and what the best uh, connectivity in your area is. Very interesting, very smart. Crowdsource network testing. Really, Can't. simply brilliant. Really. Where, where is that available? Is that iOS and Android? Uh, it is available on iOS, but of course iOS can't run in the background. On Android, it look, it works really beautifully because as you walk about, it's setting the cellular data up. Nothing to do, it doesn't t- touch you from a privacy standpoint, but it means that you and you're helping everybody else out. It's very low. And presumably um, they're looking to build a, a database of... Oh no, they built it. They built it. It's there. Have a look. It's really cool. Just put your postcode in. You, you should have some information. It'd be interesting to see if there's any Arcfield information. Yeah. Uh, or well, they need to edit that bit out, don't we? They, they no, they, but they barely have electricity where Rafe lives. So, oh, you know. well, exactly, right. Uh, so Open Signal, they actually won it, by the way. Right. Congratulations to them. Congratulations. Um, Paddle, uh, very, very cool mobile commerce service yeah. have you seen that I have and actually I realised embarrassingly I realised after uh, after I'd seen the demo by oh, yeah, uh, by, by Ed um, that uh, I'd seen the video or demo of the service linked to on Twitter or something and thought well, that's cool and hadn't realised that somebody I knew was, was behind oh, it brilliant. So, uh, but just to, the, the nice thing here is that when you go to check out on an online retailer you quickly snap a, a, like a QR code on, on the screen and the transaction, the the payment, the details process, it kind of makes one-click shopping really one-click yeah. uh, rather than having to enter loads of data. Um, I think they're going to have some really hot competition from the likes of PayPal, but yeah. this, the demo they did just shows how slick. And I love services that make the experience better. I don't yeah. care. The technology, to me, doesn't look complicated, you know, it's exactly. QR codes yeah, and yeah. things, but it makes the experience better, and those are the most beautiful services. Well, uh, Marks and Spencers in the UK have, yeah, well, uh, like are picking any, it up, it looks Any like, premium retailer, I think, would benefit from uh, Also on the list in this, there it's just quite useful seeing what's going on, Real VNC, they were there, now they're quite a big company, um, very well known for kind of desktop um, 
uh, not sharing, but screen. What do they call it? Well, it's virtual. It's virtual, it's virtual, virtualization. Yeah, so you can get to virtual desktops and um, yeah. remote desktops. The remote, de- remote desktop. Um, but they were talking about what they were doing in the automotive industry. Very interesting. Uh, and the final skin analytics. They um, they have some really really smart software that you use to take photographs of your skin lesions, and uh, they, their software will track uh, periodically the changes in your lesions. Or oh, sorry, lesions. Legion. Uh, which could indicate the presence of skin cancer. So actually, really, really smart. Those uh, it's just it was, it was very inspiring to see the, the these are all British companies. Um, great to see what they were doing. Great to see the energy and the passion. Congratulations to Open Signal, but the uh, those guys, all of them, did very well. Yeah, they are. I'm, I'm going to go and buy a Moo in the moment from Amazon. Yeah, we're going to buy Mu by the way. Yeah. Go buy a bunch. I, I, I love mine, and I, I fetch it around. I want them to do a version that will. Um, Speedily charge the iPad because it's, it's a standard USB charger at the moment. It's coming, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I've been waiting, but uh, yeah. See, in my, I've got my little man bag here, and there's a bit you, know, you can see where my plug is. Yeah, my stupid UK plug. So I'm looking forward to using the Moo. Yeah, for for anyone in the states or, or or Europe, of course, because we have three pin plugs. They're they're chunkier and superior. Um, well, Rafe says superior. I say safer. I say chunkier. But, yeah, thank you. Yes. They, they are, are they are safer. There's yeah. a good reason for Any, it. Anyone American listening, you should be ashamed of yourself. What, yeah, what, what, when you trip over the iron, it doesn't pull out. It just pulls the iron onto you instead. Nice. What but what moved have done is all of the all of the safety or or, or compliance or whatever with uh, with standards was in the UK uh, and all of the convenience sort of like a two-pin form factor yeah. from uh, you know the plugs in the states or, or across Europe. Anyway, guys, um, it has been a hell of a week. Um, this is running slightly long, so we'll wrap it up. Um, any final thoughts? I think it's been uh, been a nice, nice mobile world congress. The venue is a little bit um, better. It, it's a big, it's bigger and better service, but it lacks some of the personality. The loos were nicer. I think, I think, yeah, I think the next year it would be interesting to see if they if they manage to add some character into the place. Uh, but that would be something that comes, you know, yeah. the, making making these sort of the bits in between the stands a bit more pleasant and exciting. Right. Um, also, I personally, I want them to ban anyone with no photography signs on their stand. I got shouted at uh, twice during the show for taking photographs of products mm, that... Bad people with taking photographs with iPads at the same time. Well, well anyone who takes a photograph with an iPad is, is, well, deserves what's coming to them. But I think if you're going to bring a product to a trade show and show it to 72,000 people, then you should probably expect that those 72,000 people will, will, A, want to take a picture of it. Should have the right to photograph it. And should have the right to photograph it because they're not, they're, they're, that's not being given away. Everyone's paid to be here quite a, quite a lot. And um, you know those those products need to be no photos, no, no photos, no photos. Yeah, because yeah. those, those products, you know, you want to bring it, even if you just want a memory jogger or a note to bring home. And it seemed very odd to me. I mean, I think they're worried about sort of the people stealing designs and things. But oh, if, get over yourself. Well, but I think if you're going to show it in public to tens yeah, of thousands exactly. of people, that ship has sailed. Yeah. yeah. But to finish on a positive note. On a positive note. MWC it always reminds me just of the sheer scale of the mobile industry and the things that it's starting to take on board and just a glimpse sometimes of the future technology, some of which we've shared in this series. And so I always go away feeling a little more optimistic about what's yet to come. 
Yes, and the one of one of the things that struck me this year was that there was a lot more talk about what mobile enabled, not just about the devices and the technology of the mobile industry. About making life better. Yeah, about making life better. About uh, about supporting other industries. There was the automotive piece. There was the health piece. There was you know sort of even even the GSMA's connected cities sort of even covered like sort of education and government and uh, smart cities as well. There was pollution monitoring and those sorts of things. And that's when you can stop being a mobile nerd and start claiming that you're interested in the most important tech sector in the world. Right. If you have any comments or questions, we value your feedback. Please leave uh, comments in uh, in the SoundCloud comments or we take comments via at 361podcast on Twitter. Thank you very much for everyone who's emailed and tweeted to say they've enjoyed the series. Um, we've enjoyed doing it. It's been a long and busy week. And uh, now, although it's the last day, there are still a few episodes to come that we'll be publishing over the weekend with special extra super bonus content, which Rafe Blanford has personally selected and curated from his own personal collection. Bye-bye.